Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider. I'm Dominic Fracasa, a City Hall reporter for The Chronicle. In the face of pronounced and worsening racial disparity and inequity in San Francisco, officials here created the city's first Office of Racial Equity. The office's task? Find ways to root out and repair the harms caused by policies that have created, upheld, or exacerbated racial disparities in San Francisco. For San Francisco City Hall, the search begins within. It's early days at the Racial Equity Office, but their job will be to analyze city policies, meet with departments, and develop plans to address racial disparities within individual departments and the communities they serve. Departments that don't meet their racial equity goals could face consequences. Shakira Simley, the office's first director, is leading the charge. She joins San Francisco City Insider now to talk about the work underway. Shakira Simley, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Thanks for having me, Dom. I appreciate it. So we are here to talk about um, a lot of things, actually. But but first and foremost, I think what, what I want to help people understand is what your office is all about. The Office of Racial Equity. That's, uh, you know, that's a big umbrella just in the title. So help us understand a little bit about what the, the role that your, your office is going to play in San Francisco. For sure. So the office, just for a little bit of history, the Office of Racial Equity um, and its uh, formation has been years in the making. It started with uh, Supervisor Leah Cohen and um, then Supervisor London Breed, now Mayor London Breed, and Director Cheryl Davis wanting to see a stronger commitment for racial equity in San Francisco. Um, and over time, kind of that baton was passed to supervisor, former supervisor Valley Brown for District 5 and uh, Supervisor Sandra Lee Fewer of District 1, who really worked together on the crafting of the legislation with the Human Rights Commission. And I was a part of that process. Uh, as an aide for? As an aide for Supervisor Valley Brown. Uh, Brown. And I, um, you know, Working on that process was really illustrative and doing kind of a history of understanding the why this is so important and also taking a deeper dive as to the current picture of San Francisco. And, you know, the legislation passed last July. It was signed by the mayor in October of 2019. And I'm happy to serve as, as its inaugural director. So just started one month in. And the goal for the Office of Racial Equity is to help create a San Francisco that is safe and inclusive and diverse uh, for everyone. And working as a North Star that will light the pathway for the, um, I'd like to say, collective liberation, uh, support, and empowering of communities of color here in the city. So... With that mandate, there's very specific things that we'll do that I'm sure we'll jump into later. But, you know, I'm really thinking about how we can work looking, acknowledge, acknowledging our past history in San Francisco, 
um, looking at a current uh, picture of what, what's actually happening. Are we actually espousing our progressive values and what does that look like? And then how do we build for an equitable, more hopeful future where folks can um, survive and thrive regardless of their race? I mean, obviously, that that sort of mandate or that that goal to be that North Star is um, is laudable in every way. But the, the need for the office, I think, is precipitated by a long history of inequity in San Francisco. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, just the state of of equity and inequity in San Francisco? And, and let's talk about what equity is. I mean, because we can't sure. we can't really talk about the office of racial equity until we talk about what equity uh, stands for. Absolutely. I think when people think about racial equity, they think about equality and they think that somehow we exist in a system that's a meritocracy, that everyone, if everyone just had equal access, then the world would be better. But that doesn't take into account our historic uh, systems and current picture that perpetuate inequities. So, for example, Dom, if you and I apply to college, you know, based on my experience as an a black African-American here in this country versus your experiences, even if we have equal access and opportunity to apply for college, there's going to be disparate outcomes. And um, what we're focusing what we're focused on is not kind of pretending that that meritocracy exists and that, um, you know, if we just kind of wave a wand and provided everyone with, with jobs or um, equal access to housing that somehow will fix the past no, I think we need to look at, you know, our what current systems are in place and how they were created. So looking at past policies, programs, ordinances, um, decision making, budgetary decisions. So past racial harm and how that impacts people now and having to make amendments to uh, uh, our current systems to account for folks who are most impacted. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's the equity that, that we're talking about. And we, if we're going to do racial equity work meaningfully, we have to tell, not even just tell the, the truth about ourselves, but tell the whole truth about ourselves. As a city. As a city. Yeah. And looking at us as a city, I mean, it's not a pretty picture. You know, we, the city was founded on stolen indigenous land, first and foremost. Um, it was built by... Um, folks of color. So, you know, from our Chinese population who came here and, you know, suffered under a whole number of exclusionary policies. Um, uh, Mayor London Breed in her comments uh, at the Tuesday board meeting talked about uh, the 1870 uh, cubic air ordinance, which displaced Chinese renters from um, their homes and from land in favor of white San Franciscans, um, from our migration um, and the diaspora African Americans who built the city and have worked at the shipyards and built up neighborhoods and suffered under um, uh, not even just systemic racism, but also just thinking about redlining and restrictive racial covenants would help create residential segregation, which San Francisco is still very much racially segregated. Um, so many different communities of color have had such um, harmful experiences. So when we're creating policy, when we are making budgets, when we're deciding prioritization, prioritization of 
services, we have to think about who's most impacted and who's suffering the most and how do we amend for that, understanding that city government has had a long history um, in enacting that harm. Yeah. When when discussions around race and equity in San Francisco, I think a lot of the verbiage, it makes it sound like these are these are vestiges, like these are just ghosts that we have to deal with or ghosts that if you pay lip service to them that, you know, you've done your your duty or your due diligence. But what it sounds to me like that this is the, the effects of all, all of the history that you've just sort of, you know, described and summed up for us, mm-hmm. that they have real Mod- consequences in the present day. And it sounds like that's what your office has been created to to address from from now and <laughs> from from going <laughs> forward going yeah. forward as you look back and understand the those the understand the history of it. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if we think about the history of residential segregation in San Francisco uh and how that's been like de facto uh segregation for our communities of color. Um, and not being able to to move from different neighborhoods and build wealth, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. means that we have an economic, you know, wealth gap between our communities of color and our white communities. So what does that mean for, uh, you know, educational attainment? What does that mean for um, the ability to have a job where you can thrive and support yourself and your family? What does it mean for the type of schools that you're able to go to? What does it mean for... Um, your uh, whether or not you'll be touched by the, our justice system, yeah, and those things are very prescient right here and now. Mm-hmm. And you know the reason why this office is really important is because folks are hurting; they're hurting right now, and we can see that. We can walk down the street, we can uh, you know look at our neighborhood, we can see our neighbors, we can. Um, you know, even looking at our kids' classrooms, right? We can see the disparities right in front of us. So, you know, my job is to work, you know, with our Human Rights Commission and work with the mayor's office and work with uh, the Board of Supervisors to ensure that we are taking meaningful steps to amend for those dis- those, those disparities and not gaslight people <laughs> to think that they don't happen just because we're in San Francisco, so we can like wave a progressive banner. But what does that actually mean? Yeah. And, you know, does this feel, does this place feel like home for folks? Are people included? Is our city actually diverse or turning into a monoculture? You know, what does that actually mean and look like? Um, and these are difficult conversations. These are difficult conversations. And I need to be fearless. I'm going to be fearless in this role and having those conversations and pushing. Mm-hmm. I um, I think our community has, is ready. Um, folks have been working on this issue for a long time. And now, you know, they have, and when I say that, when I say folks, I mean our community-based organizations, our, you know, our neighborhood activists, our, you know, city workers have been pushing and pushing. And now we have, now that we have the, this mandate um, through the office, we can actually start making some tangible change. Um, And this year is going to be really important. Right now I'm in listening mode with community, uh, assessing mode, and also triaging. You know, what needs to be prioritized first? Like, what do we need to touch? Like, what can we do more quickly? Uh, Government loves reports. (laughs) We love a dashboard. We love, uh, you know, thick books of, like, information. 
And I'm like, if we're not reading it or if we're not taking those recommendations and turning it into real strategies and policies that can impact people right now who are holding a lot of racial trauma in their bodies, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, then like, what are we actually doing? We'll be right back after a short break to talk more with Shakira Simley, San Francisco's first ever director of the Office of Racial Equity. So one thing that i am really been interested in talking with you about since the office formed, really, and since I knew that you were going to be leading it, is the, the notion of, of, you know, what, what you said a moment ago, that, that the government loves reports. They love thick briefing books and year-long studies that it's, it's not to discredit anybody when I say that, like, that makes, it, that makes it seem like government is doing something, when in reality, what you have is a thick book that says, like, here's what we found. And that can be, obviously, that's hugely important and that's hugely useful, but that doesn't always translate into differences in people's lives, which, you know, ultimately, it sounds to me as like what this office is meant to do, you know, to, to create the pathway for systemic change in mm-hmm. San Francisco mm-hmm. when it comes to racial equity in the city. But what I find really interesting about your your agency is that it has some teeth to it. You you are not going to be just a fact finding sort of sort of agency. You and correct. I want I want to hear this from you. But your 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 um, when it comes to the the San Francisco budget, for example, that's held up oftentimes as the way in which the city expresses its values. It's it's where it, it puts its money where it, its mouth is when it comes to here is what we're going to invest in mm-hmm. and here is what we're going to fund and here's what's going to get a little less funding this year. It's it's a value statement in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the you know, the the trains need to run and the library needs to open and there are standards, but but in a lot of ways there's there's a lot of sort of value suffused in that document, the mm-hmm. budget. So but what you're able to do in the Office of Racial Equity is to say, look, if we are not living up to whatever goals that we set, when it comes to increasing equity in the city and increasing, uh, 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 or I should say, tackling these systemic issues that you've described, if we don't meet our goals, that has consequences when it comes to the budget. So, can you can you kind of describe what what your responsibility is there and what mm-hmm. sort of what sort of power you have to to sort of enact change through through the budget process specifically? Of course, and I do want to ground us in the fact that the Office of Racial Equity, we will be doing work to daylight disparities. Um, there will be, you know, a racial equity index for San Francisco so we can see how we're faring as a city. And city departments are going to have to work really hard to create racial equity action plans where they do talk about their budgets um, and talk about the work that they're doing towards funding or resources needed to fund racial equity. Through the Office of Racial Equity specifically, we have there's two ways in which we're going to go about that and having that accountability measure. Number one is creating a budget equity analysis tool for the entire city. So this is a tool that's going to be used. Uh, we'll be sharing it with uh, the board and also with the mayor's office and be developing that with community to help make sure we have a racial equity lens on our funding decisions, first and foremost. So starting upstream. It's not like, oh, hey, we, we we missed that population. Like, let's like amend for it downstream. No, it's like, let's make sure that we all understand what we mean when we say racial equity and when we're funding and putting resources to racial equity and, and targeting our communities of color. There's that. 
Uh, the second part is also once we have information from city departments in regards to the racial equity action plans and we will re review them, um, those plans are going to help serve as the basis for uh, budget recommendations to the mayor's office and, and to the board, in addition to policy priorities uh, that will be set uh, by those bodies. Um, I translate that for me a little bit. For sure. Yeah. So what that looks like is folks will create their racial equity action plans uh, by the end of this year. Those plans will be submitted to the Office of Racial Equity. We'll review them. Um, and uh, work with departments uh, for feedback. So it's a collaborative process. Um, and, you know, if we are seeing issues that, you know, are not being amended or not being changed or we're not moving the needle, then that could be the basis for budget reductions, um, recommendations, or budget increase recommendations mm -hmm. to uh, the Board of Supervisors, the Budget Committee, um, and to the Mayor's Office. What's great uh, this year is that um, Mayor Lyndon Breed has already put forth equitable outcomes as part of her budget instructions and what she'd like to see. So that is a really great launching pad um, and attention being uh, put forth to that issue. And then over the next couple of years, what you'll see with the Office of Racial Equity is um, definitely continuing to formalize that and hold city, account city departments accountable as we are spending our $12 billion budget. And we'll be able to say, you know, how are we doing? Where did our money go? Is it supporting our, you know, black community? What does that look like? Is it supporting our indigenous community um, when it comes to, you know, mental health? Is it supporting our Latinx community and being able to access housing? And we'll have more data around that, but also uh, the teeth part, which will be, you know, hey, like we're not meeting that mark and yeah. we're not going to fund uh, something or we may need to audit something that's not working. And I feel like that, is a little bit different than what we've seen in other cities um, with their different offices of social justice or offices of equity of off or offices of racial equity, where, yes, like we can be internally focused and see how we can uh, be better as a city and, and fight for continuous equitable improvement. And at the same time, we have like our service delivery impacts, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every single day, every day. So are we putting our money where our mouth is? Mm -hmm. uh, we need to do so more so. And if we're not doing that, also community will likely hold us accountable. Uh, but we want to be proactive. We want to give folks the chance to kind of think about this more holistically. We don't want it to be an afterthought. You know, racial equity is something that should flow through the veins of city government. And the way that I talk about it, I want people to think about it like we think about addressing climate change, except when it comes to institutional and structural, structural racism, it's a slow disaster that's been percolating for hundreds of years. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that has inhibited communities from being able to unlock their full potential. And government in general has had a big hand in that. So how do we treat disasters like we need to triage, right? We need to deploy resources, capacity, and people. We need to prioritize. We need to make sure that we're we're starting with our our, our most at risk pop populations first and foremost. Mm -hmm. We need to uh, build communities for resilience and for regeneration. Um, so there's a short term part of this, and there's the long term part of this, and we'll be playing an active role when it comes to our policy decisions and our budget decisions 
uh, uh, within city government. But also, you know, I came to this work as an organizer and I can't do this work without the support and guidance of community. And it's really important to me to make sure that when we're doing this work, as Ayanna Presley says, the folks who are closest to the pain um, or the problem should be closest to the power. And community has a lot of power. Community already, community doesn't need a voice. I mean, I'm not here to be a voice for community. Community already has a very loud voice. Um, they need ears. <laughs> they need people <laughs> to listen. And we need to start listening mm -hmm. and to not even just to listen, but to really hear them and take it seriously and acknowledge community expertise and um, lived experience when we're formulating budget decisions, when we're formulating legislation, when we're making policy or program programmatic decisions. Um, sometimes government comes from a perspective as we know best, but like my track record may show that <laughs> maybe not always. So how do we how do we correct for that? So I see it as a very collaborative um, office and process, and I'm super excited to to lead that. I wonder you you were a legislative aide as we talked about. You've mm -hmm. been in and around government for a little while now at this point. I mean, you've we'll talk about you know your your bio. I think it's it's uh, I think it's an interesting one, of course, but. You know how government works is what I mean to say. Mm -hmm. You know how these departments think, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to their budget. And I think that these, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think these are going to be hard conversations with some of these departments who don't meet their equity goals, who mm -hmm. are uncomfortable with the ones that you may set for them in the first place. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, you're going to come in and, you know, say this is the way it's got to be or else, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's the approach any, any reasonable person would take. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that that is going to engender some difficulties within city government as someone who sits in city hall every day and just is, gets paid to pay attention. You know, like I, 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 I wonder how people are going to take that when they're not meeting their goals, when their budget, when this, your office has the full throated support of the mayor and the board of supervisors who are the budget setting entities in this city. And they're going to, I, I, I think that that's a very good sign that they will be listening to your recommendations. And so I wonder how you deal with those hard conversations. Do people just need to learn to suck it up and, and do better? Or like, how do you, how do you approach that? And how do you sort of get past that friction, which seems inevitable to kind of occur? I would hope that before anyone gets to that point, there are definitely conversations and collaboration uh, where we can move towards racial equity. A lot of this is not, you know, it's not like, hey, like, I'm not racist anymore. I'm going to check this box and I'm great. Like We did elect Obama. <laughs> well, so. you know what? In this wonderful post-racial society, so I've, I have clearly box, we're all so. thriving, right? Yes. No, absolutely not. Um, so we have so much more work to do. Uh, on so many levels. And I would say in doing that work with departments, like like I said, I'm a collaborative person. Like I listen, I'm assessing and triaging right now. Um, I want to make sure that if we can't get things done on certain deadlines, we have a plan to make sure that it happens. And then, you know, priorities will be set by our mayor um, and by our board and making sure that they, you know, we meet the need. Um, I think you know, and some of my initial conversations with different department heads, they've been really receptive, actually, um, which has been really helpful. And I think folks want to kind of they're they really want to understand. It's like, so how, how do I actually do this? Mm -hmm. You know, what There's is a this? vocabulary? Yes. that they're establishing. It's yeah. like, how do I like how do I actually bake this into my organization? Or you know, what kind of trainings are we going to need to to make this happen? Or 
yes, we are having a very difficult conversation with community on this process. Like, how do we figure this out? So I think I want to lead with that first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, sometimes a rubber will hit the road and it'll be difficult. But I'm hoping that, you know, there's space and um, grace to move towards something that is meaningful for community but it might have to be in a longer timeline. Mm. And also depends on what the issue is too. If that's it's something true. that's like low hanging fruit, I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like we can do this. Um, or if it's something that's a little bit more uh, deeply rooted, you know, it's going to take time. Yeah. And I, <laughs> even though I'm, I'm an Aries and a Libra rising and I have fire all across my chart, like I'm not going to solve for racial equity in the next six months um, or a year. Like these, these problems have been circulating in the city for so long, so long, hundreds of years we're talking about in America. And we're going to have to give ourselves a space and time um, to attack them in a way that's meaningful and direct. Um, you know, we don't, yeah, we don't need to drag our feet any longer. And I think community is creating that urgency. City workers are creating that urgency. Um, we have a national conversation right now on reparations. Uh, we have elections that are happening. There's so many different opportunities that are percolating right now to center racial equity. So I think it's actually a really great time to be able to take on this work. We also have a local conversation going on about we do. a formal one, at least at this point. We do. Um, Supervisor Shimon Walton uh, sort of you know, took to the steps of City Hall with a lot of, you know, community support and support from other supervisors and said, we are going to have, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation about reparations in San Francisco. And he mm -hmm. left a lot of, left a lot of room to to find out what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. He wasn't saying this is what it is. He's saying like, this is what we're going to talk about, you know, I think in in essence. So what is your office's role in that conversation? And, and what do you think about the approach that Supervisor Walton has taken so far? I mean, that's, that's going to be a difficult conversation in and of itself. I mean, that makes people, you know, blanch just at the, the word, the utterance of the word, and and it can be difficult to understand what that means and what it what it looks like. So uh, again, what do you what do you make of the that sort of that process getting underway in a formal sense in the city? I think it's about time. I think it's about time. Uh, you know, I think when people think about reparations, uh, they think about just you know financial support, but reparations is a framework and a system of addressing racial harm through a number of different uh, levers. And um, the African-American community has been fighting for this um, for over 125 years. So directly during Reconstruction, you had an amazing activist, Callie House, who worked to uh, create a mutual uh, beneficiary association for former slaves. Um, so, and that was like in 18... 98, I believe, or maybe a little bit early. So that conversation for reparations has been in our community for such a long time. And it has, it has kind of come up in San Francisco over the years. And I applaud Supervisor Walton for, for you know, taking this opportunity and using his leadership to center the conversation. And that uh, support is being echoed by other Black leadership, including uh, Mayor Breed, um, you know, folks who are leading our CBOs in the African-American community, our faith-based leaders as well. And there's room in that conversation because, you know, in our community, it has to be led by our folks on the ground and our lived experience. So um, there's a lot of different solutions in regards to reparations, in regards to 
anywhere from economic opportunity to housing to education to our justice system. So that room is necessary to, you know, make sure that we're going out to community, which is going to be happening with the Human Rights Commission and the Office of Racial Equity and Support and uh, Supervisor Walton's office to hear directly from uh, from folks to, you know, what do they want to see? How do they define this? What does it mean uh, what would it mean for them right now to be have, to have access to reparations uh, for their particular communities? And then um, that is going to be used to uh, formulate a, a package mm. of legislation mm-hmm. and policy solutions um, and really community driven. And the, the Human Rights Commission and the Office of Racial Equity is, is going to be a key partner um, in that listening, in that thought work. Um, but also centering the needs and directives from community, first and foremost. Um, it, it has to. It has to. Well, Shakira, I know you've got a hell of a lot of work to do, so I'm going to let do. you get back to it. dismantling <laughs> white supremacy. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a little bit of time, yes. uh, but that's all right. I'm going to let you get back to it. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Thanks. Our thanks to Shakira Simley, Director of the Office of Racial Equity in San Francisco, for joining us, and to Erica Carlos and King Kaufman, who produced this episode. And of course, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.